Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. The last several years have not been kind to ball fans, have they? Um, or at least of all football fans. Um, I heard, the, as many of you did, the news conference with the new athletic director and uh, was kind of struck by one statement he made saying, I don't like to lose. I don't like losing. And my thought was, well, you're in the right place because nobody around here does either. And I, and I thought uh, about the... Uh, just, just in, in these last few days, about the the perils of, of volunteer football for the last little while, and uh, was reminded that it could be worse. It could be worse. Akron hadn't won a game in two years. Uh, Akron University, and not that long ago, Northwestern University lost 34 games in a row, went three seasons, more more than three seasons actually, without a win. Um, and now they're, they're a conference contender in the Big Ten. So, as you look at that, as a Vol fan, you think, they got it. Alabama's winning them all. We, won, we used to win some. That isn't fair, is it? It isn't fair for us, Vol fans. It isn't fair for us, us folks that, that have supported the program and, and these kids and these coaches and, and bought season tickets. And where's the fairness in all of that? And I would submit to you again, as I, as I did a couple, two or three weeks ago, life isn't fair. It's not fair in football. It's not fair at work. It's not fair sometimes at church. It's not shame on us, but life isn't fair sometimes. And, and the more we begin to live with that expectation, the more disappointment we're going to experience and the more frustration we're going to oftentimes express to our, to our Lord. And I want us to see today from two different places of text, John 10 and and Matthew 19, if you want to stick your fingers there. Um, I want us to see today that it, it isn't with him, nor has it ever been about fairness. And, it, and that's because we serve and know and walk with and, 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 and live with a good God. A God who is good and, and seeks goodness over fairness for us. John chapter 10. Let's look at verses 11 to 15 together. It says, I am the good shepherd, Bruce uh, taught on that last week, not this passage, but the, that concept. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, a couple of things I want us to see, first of all, from this passage in John about a good God. A good God, first of all, loves us sacrificially. A good God loves us sacrificially. It says here, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, the scripture at its core is a love story from beginning to, from beginning to end, from, from the garden with Adam and Eve to, to, to the people to the Jewish people, to Jesus, to, to the Gentiles, to this morning you and me, from cover to cover, at its core, the scripture is a love story to us. It tells us of his love for us. 
the, the, the fact that redemption is based on love, that grace is based on love, that his goodness to us is based on his love for us, and that love permeates every situation, every story, every, every, every sense of mercy, every, even every sense of judgment is done in love for us. Uh, the, the story of sacrificial love, though, finds its peak at the cross. If you want to see the love of Jesus for you, look at the cross every time and it'll tell you the, the, the better story. Look at this idea in verse 12, though, that says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Meaning that when you know the sheep, when they are your sheep, you're going to, your, your, your interest in them, your protection of them, your, your provision for them is going to be uh, far greater than if you're just a hired hand uh, trying to walk this road and, and do right by the Lord and by yourself. If you're a parent, if you have children, you understand this, that you love your kids regardless, regardless of their successes, regardless of their failures, regardless of, their, of what, they, what they bring to the table, what they don't, regardless of the, of the phase or stage of life that they're in, whether they're, they're in rebellion or whether they're in obedience, you love your, your kids because they're, they're yours, they're your own, and you can't not love them. Now, you correct them, you try and bring them back in, in, into the way they should walk, but that correction is done in love as well. It's, it's out of the desire to, I want you to get it. I want you to see this way. And that's, that's the same idea here that he's talking about with this good shepherd that knows his sheep, loves his sheep because they're yours. You would easily lay down your life for them. It's exactly what he, talk, what, what, what he mentions here in this passage in John 10. Uh, now, if you, can, if you can experience or have experienced that love as a parent, multiply that times 43 and you'll start to see the love that God has for you. And I say 43 because Jesus was beaten 39 times, had three nails and was on one cross. And when you, when you can see, get that imagery in your mind that that's how much he loves me, not just then, but day after day after day. If I can get the imagery of his love for me, I'll, I'll understand that a good God comes at this sacrificially. He, he loves me sacrificially and gives of himself and gave of his very life sacrificially for you and me. We'll see how much we're loved by God. Secondly, a good, not only a good God not only loves us sacrificially, but pursues us in relationship. A good God pursues us in relationship. Look at the uh, first part of verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I know my sheep, my sheep knows me. Again, when we, we want to get a clear picture of how well we're known by God, we need only to look at Psalm 139. And this, this won't be on the screen, so if you want to turn there, this is one of my favorites, perhaps my favorite psalm. But uh, I'm going to read this entire psalm because it's a killer psalm. I want you to get the, this, this fact of, of how well he knows us. It says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, to, for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I say, surely the darkness will, not hi will hide me and the light will become night around me. But even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will, will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. 
You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that well full. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name, but I hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That'll give you a picture of how well God knows you and knows us because he does. Um, this, uh, in fact, uh, Matthew ten thirty speaks to the fact that the, the very hairs on our head are numbered. Some not so much, others a little more to work with, but, but the very, the very hairs on our head are numbered. Um, this, uh, this, this, this idea of, of, uh, his knowing us flaws and all and loving us anyway is not because of us, but in spite of us. And I want you to see that, that, that last phrase of verse 14 Speaks to that. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He says here that he not only knows us, but we should know him in that same intimate fashion. As intimately as he knows us, as well as he knows us, he says, you have opportunity to know me that well, that deeply. Do we do that? Uh, that's impossible apart from relationship. And any effective relationship is always a two-way street. Is your relationship with him one way? Is it just his his drawing you, his speaking to you, his wooing you, his, his, his correcting you, his, his helping you. Is it just one way or are, are you in pursuit of him? If we're not in pursuit of him, we'll never know that intimate side of him that he speaks to in this verse that we can do and experience, know and experience. How do we do that? Well, the simplest way is talking and listening. Talking to him by way of prayer and listening to him by way of what his word says. This is the whole story. Now, he will speak to us by way of his spirit, and we'll do that often if, if we seek him, but his spirit will never be in conflict with his word. So he will always speak to us and we should listen, learn, learn to listen to him. So this, this two-way street of, of prayer and the scripture is the simplest vehicles for us to, to become to know, uh, figure out how to know him and walk with him intimately of taking that truth in and then praying it back to him, talking it back to him. So, and, and the more you know him, get this, the more you know him, the less concerned you're going to be with fairness. Why? Because the more you know him, the more you're going to get this concept that he's good. And he doesn't want fairness for me. He wants goodness for me. Speaks goodness to me for, from his word. And so the more we know him, the less concerned we are with fairness and the more we are in, in knowledge of the fact that he is good and, and pursues and seeks goodness for me. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. A good God loves us sacrificially. Good God pursues us in relationship I want us to see from this passage in this story in Matthew 19 more things about the goodness of God. Verses 16 to 22 of Matthew 19. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. 
If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. First thing I want us to see from this passage in Matthew is a good God defines goodness. He's the one who brings definition to goodness. Why do you ask me what is good, he says. This man in questioning Jesus seeks to quantify life down to one event, down to one, one, one good thing, one, one good deed, one good act, one good, one good performance of service, one good, good uh, idea, what, what one good thing can I do and get eternal life? In other words, he's asking, what's eternal life going to cost me? And he asks it in such a way that he says, what are the cliff notes? Can you give me the cliff notes on life? Can you summarize it for me so that I can understand what one good thing I still like and that one good thing I can do and inherit eternal life? And that kind of reminded me of, of a story that this past week about uh, when I was in high school, uh, we, we had, uh, uh, had choir second period and, and there was a, a kid that um, showed up about once a week, had a good voice, a good singer, uh, but showed up about once a week to, to choir. And after the first nine weeks, I think got a D or F in choir. And, and so he, he, I hear him come uh, walk up to Mr. McCammon and said, dude, how can I get a D or F in choir? Uh, you know, Mr. McCammon said, well, what do you expect? He said, at least a C. He said, how can I get a C? Mr. Mack looked at him and says, show up. Just show up and I'll give you a C. So Here's, I thought about this idea of, of our, our showing up and, and wondering, it's kind of the question of this, this young, uh, young man here, what do I need to do to get a C? How can I pass? Give, give, give me the quick story, the, the cliff notes of what I need to do to, to get into heaven. I just want to get into heaven. I don't need to get in there with, 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 with pomp and circumstance. I just want in, and what's the simplest, quickest way for me to get in? Now, Jesus quickly redirects him that this idea of goodness is not tied to what, but who. Look at what he says here in, in verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And, and I, I can hear this, this dialogue. I may mis, mis, misinterpret this, but I can hear this dialogue. Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good? And I think it was a great pause there, probably at least five or ten seconds, until he, till he comes in and says, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. Uh, I think he pauses to, to, to get that story across to this young man. And, and so this idea of it being a who instead of a what was totally, I, I kind of blew, it would have blown my mind if I were this young guy. I imagine it kind of blew his mind, a young Jew walking up to him to say, I've kept the law. He, he said, what, what do I need to do? We'll keep the commandments. Do not. I've kept those. What else do I need to do? Well, he, he's, he's, again, trying to reduce this to one event. Uh, the, the lesson here in verse 17, that I think the Lord's trying to tell him is, get rid of the list. Just get rid of the list. And I wonder how many of us come to this church week after week and face our daily life as believers day after day, 
still with the list. Still thinking, if I can check the list off, God's going to like me better, isn't he? If I can comp complete the list today, God's going to love me better. I, I can experience a, a greater hand of his touch. If, if I get the list checked right, no, he's, he tells this guy, throw the list away. Get rid of the list because it's not about the list. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. It's about who you, who you have experience with, who you have relationship with. We can never follow this culture's definitions of, of good and bad as a means to know God, as a means to please him, as a means to, to follow him. But when and if we can learn to lose the list and, and the scales that come with the list, because if, if you're one of these list thinkers that I, God likes me more if I do more, you've got scales with the list. And the more good I do, the heavier the scales are in my direction. The more evil I do, the, the more mistakes I make, the heavier the scales are away from me. And if you, if you get nothing from this, this morning's message, get this, burn the list and throw away the scales. Beat them to smithereens and put them in the trash. Get rid of the list, get rid of the scales. That's not, how God, that's not a gauge for God's love for you. It's not, a, it's not an accurate gauge for how much God cares for you. It's not an accurate gauge for, for God's goodness in your life, how he shows up and chooses to, 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 direct, to guide you and direct you, what he wants for you. Um, get rid of the list. First Peter tells us to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I would submit to you this, that once you've tasted the goodness of God, and some of you have been believers for, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and have never tasted the goodness of God. You've gotten close. You, you, you've stepped up real close, but it's never been a sense that, that the goodness of God has just overwhelmed you. And it needs to do that. The goodness of God needs to overwhelm us. And he, and he wants to do that every day. And we keep him from that because we're still carrying the list around. And he wants us to see, it's about me. It's not about those things. Get rid of those things and, and come to see me. Come to know me. Uh, taste my goodness. I, I would submit to you, once you get a taste of that, nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing will satisfy once you get a taste of his goodness. A good God loves us sacrificially, pursues us in relationship, defines goodness, and finally, a good God ties fairness to rightness. We talked about that a little bit in week one, but look at verses 21 and 22 again with me. He says, and Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. If you want to be perfect, Go sell your possessions. So on the surface, this kind of looks like uh, socialism, doesn't it? On the surface, this verse kind of looks like equal parts for everybody. But I think if, if you dig deeper, you, you examine this a little more, you'll see that the lesson here is, is less about selling, less about the redistribution, and more about following. It is less about the actions of, of, of his hands and more about the desires of his heart. If you look at this, this, his, his response to this young man a little deeper, this guy had lived a stellar life and was a model citizen. Kept the law, true to the law. And in fact, if you read on in the story, the disciples come up to Jesus and say, in another gospel as well, and say, if this guy can't get through, can't get in, who can? I mean, he's got it together. This, is the, this guy's walked a stellar life. He's been an incredible model of, of what, it, what it should be like to know God and walk with God. If he can't get in, who does? And looking at that on the surface, that doesn't seem fair, does it? 
This guy's been obedient to the law, tried to walk with God and do the right things. It doesn't seem fair, but notice in verse 21, Jesus points him to perfection. If you want to be perfect, meaning if you want to be complete, if you want to be lacking nothing, if you want to be totally filled in in your life and in your worldview and in your, your relationship with me and lacking nothing in any area, this is what you need to do. <laughs> Sell the crap, get rid of the list, and come follow me. Come give all of yourself to me. Lay, lay yourself at my feet and not, not at the feet of your stuff. And this guy leaves sad because he ends up loving his stuff, wanting his stuff more than he wants eternal life, more than he wants to walk with Jesus in, in righteousness, in rightness. Why does he do that? He, he, he does that to illustrate to, to the Lord does to his disciples, to those standing around, and to you and I here today, for that matter, <clears throat> that the only definition of goodness, of, of rightness, of fairness that matters is God's definition. He's the one who defines those things. And his de definition is the only one that matters. Uh, in fact, we can make our parents proud. We can make this culture wild of us. Uh, but until we find ourselves in his hand, seeking his goodness and understanding that all goodness comes from the good shepherd, all of that's for naught. Uh, as the only one who is good, he's the one who defines what is good for us. So to wrap up, given the choice between God being fair to you and God being good to you, choose goodness every time. Choose a good God every time. Uh, it's, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, cultural fairness gets us equal pay for equal work. Spiritual fairness sends us all to hell because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We don't want fairness. We need to seek God's goodness. And be grateful for the fact that we, we serve and know a God who is good over a God who is fair. Here's the final thing. To even see the choice between these two things, to even see that, we have to have relationship with him. We have to be walking intimately with him to see the difference between those two things. Find and choose that choice of goodness over fairness. We've got to know him, first of all, and got to be in pursuit of him, walking with him intimately. Do you know him? Do you know him as your Savior? I don't mean do you, do you, know, do you know about him. I think there's tons of people filling church after church after church all across America that know about God but have never prayed to receive him as their, as their Lord and Savior into their heart. If you don't know him in that way, in relationship with him, not giving yourself totally to him, I encourage you to do that this morning before you leave. Seek me or someone else out that you know as a believer and walking with Jesus intimately and, and meet him today before you leave this place. But if you know him, let you and I get rid of the list. Let's just leave the list here and walk out today. Can we do that? Let's, let's leave this idea of, of, my, of the scales and my goodness uh, measuring up to how, how much God loves me. Let's leave all that crap here today and walk out of here with a different mindset, a, a different view, a, a different view of God's goodness than we've had before because he wants us to see that. He's, he wants us to look beyond fairness, way, way beyond fairness, to see his goodness. And to pursue that and walk in that. Let's pray. Lord, today, um, you are a good God. You are, you are good to us beyond what we deserve and, and, and even beyond what we would deserve, beyond what we can see coming. If we had any idea, any concept of how you have protected us and delivered us from what is today unknown and what has been as yet unseen, it would blow us away. 
In fact, we would run so hard in the other direction, we'd crawl up in a hole in the fetal position and never move again. If we knew what you have delivered, what you've kept us from, what you've provided for us, even, even when we didn't know where, where or how to look for it. Thank you for that provision. Thank you for that goodness. Thank you for the fact that you are, you are a, as the scripture says, a hedge of protection in Psalm 139 around me. Thank you for the fact that you know us intimately and you love us anyway. You see us flaws and all. You see us warts and all. You see us failures and all. You see us selfish and all. And love us anyway. Pursue us. Come after us with all that you have and all that you are. God, today, help us to, to, to mirror that pursuit and to stop running from you and start, in turn and start running toward you. Seeking your goodness. Knowing that your goodness is exactly exactly what we need we don't need a fair God we don't want a fair God we need a good God and you are that we thank you for your goodness today help us to not just receive it but give it and share it with others in Jesus name Amen thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic biblical and contagious walk with Christ